What's up? We are live for another round of Talk to Us Tuesday here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. We're going to get your thoughts on the Red River Showdown. What's ahead for the Oklahoma Sooners against the Texas Longhorns coming up? Let's get started after this. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, a live edition of Locked On Sooners here on a Tuesday evening. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn to get the latest and the best opportunities for your hiring. Go to LinkedIn. They're the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. All right, Josh, we're still, you know, we're four days out from the Red River Showdown. And I feel like we're at this point where expectations are getting adjusted, right? Now with three losses in Big 12 play, you can pretty much write off any kind of semblance of hope for the uh, the Big 12 title. Um, just kind of what are, you, what are you thinking now as we're midweek and getting ready for Kansas? Obviously, uh, the big breaking news of today, in case you missed it, is Jalen Daniels, doubtful. There's been one report that has defined it as a season-ending injury for Jalen Daniels, though the quarterback himself, Jalen Daniels, sort of took that report to task a little bit. So we'll see whether or not indeed uh, Jalen Daniels is, you know, out for this game versus Oklahoma and then out for the remainder of the season for Kansas. I mean, obviously, yeah, my perception of OU has radically changed over the last couple of weeks. My perception of Oklahoma's quarterback room or how it would be treated beyond Dylan Gabriel, I don't know that it's radically changed, but it's certainly been any worries that were there. Those have been confirmed and probably they've been, they've been uh, amplified for Oklahoma. So right now, man, uh, what I thought OU would be and who Oklahoma is clearly are very different versions of that football team. And really the concerning thing for me, John, there's plenty of different puzzle pieces we can break down on what's most alarming. And I'm sure the fan base uh, tonight will have plenty of thoughts on what's alarmed them. But, man, to me, it's just defensively. The complete ineptitude on that side of the football is uh, frustrating for a defensive-minded head coach to come in here. And, again, all of the things that we were talking about the first couple of weeks, remind me again, I'm, uh, this is my reminder to Sooner Nation, one year from now when Oklahoma starts out 3-0 and or 4-0, and just remind me, and I'm telling you, oh, look, at this team's tackling so much better and – my goodness, they just seem fundamentally sound. Just say, Josh, stop it. Wait two more weeks. Wait three more weeks. I don't want to do this song and dance again, but that's what's alarmed me, man, is just the complete lack of understanding where to be defensively, uh, the problems on that side of the football, the inability to tackle, just the complete picture defensively being as bad as it is, John. And I think it's a fair place to be because we expected better. I know we lost a lot of talent to the NFL. We, we lost, I mean, the whole defensive staff changed, but I think we expected Brent Venables to be able to come in and 
I mean, we talked about it in the preseason, just be able to improve this team, improves the, improve the defensive play. Maybe, I mean, I think I just over, over analyzed what happened in the Oregon game where guys like Marcus Stripling and Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes really played well off the edge. Um, really, you know, what they did in the spring game, I thought was going to be able to translate to the season. And we saw it the first few weeks of the season, albeit against competition that's not as good obviously as what uh, Oklahoma's faced these last three weeks but I didn't expect it to go from looking really really good to looking as poorly as it has the last few weeks I do I do still think that Brent Venables is going to be able to get it done it's it's funny actually I was reading um, a piece that you wrote for Sooners Wire when you were still um, writing uh, for us back in December of last year when all of this all the coaching change and everything transpired and a couple of the things that you touched on in that piece is of why Brent Venables made sense for the Oklahoma Sooners. It was the ability to recruit defensive talent and develop defensive talent. He's just been in, in Norman for 10 months, you know, 11 months, maybe almost, and hasn't really had a full recruiting class. He had two months to put together the 2022 recruiting class we haven't really seen much of that on the field yet. Like we've seen a little bit of Jaron Canick. We've seen a little bit of Jer- Gentry Williams and Robert Spears Jennings. We haven't, and, and our Mason Thomas, we haven't really seen much of Grayson Halton or Kobe McKenzie or Kip Lewis yet. So a lot of the defensive pieces that are part of Brent Venable's first recruiting class hasn't taken the field for the most part. Jaron Canick, for whatever reason, I mean, he's one, been one of the guys that's kind of flown around the football the most consistently. He can't get on the field for whatever reason. And then we've still got a really strong 2023 recruiting class coming to Norman. We, we assume, we presume. There haven't, hasn't been any changes on that at this point in time, but I, I think this is a team that can still build the defense that we expect Brent Venables to roll out. It just may take a lot more time than I thought it was going to take. And I'm willing to give him the time. I'm willing to give him several years to build this thing into the program that we expect it to be. It just, I have to kind of reassess and re um, reframe expectations for this season and even for 2023, maybe. Yeah. I mean, depending upon what happens the rest of the way here, now, if Oklahoma, even at this point, John, given the fact that you've lost three games in a row and in the fashion that you've lost the last two and really just the fashion in which Oklahoma's played defense the last three games, let's say Oklahoma wins every game but Oklahoma State and Baylor the rest of the way, which would be frustrating, right, to lose Bedlam again. Though, I mean, Oklahoma State right now, you know, six however many games in, Oklahoma State looks like the best team in the Big 12. So hypothetically, and I'm not even saying this is a guarantee based on what we've seen so far, but if you won every game outside of Oklahoma State and Baylor and you were competitive in one or both of those games and defensively it looked like you'd turned the corner and a lot of these wide-open touchdowns that we saw versus TCU, the 60-plus variety touchdowns, were gone, right? And you're actually getting regular stops, stops on a regular basis – if we even get to the end of the season and that's the story the rest of the way for Oklahoma, then all of a sudden maybe some of your expectations are back 
for 2023, right? That, okay, now Vitables has had time with this team, with this program to install it. And you got Dylan Gabriel back or Jackson Arnold, who's going to be an early enrollee and will, you know, fight for that quarterback job, I would imagine. Then you can you can kind of recalibrate those expectations in a positive direction. Right now, though, the way you're going, I'm with you. You might be setting yourself up to where 2024 is the season where you really think that maybe Brent Venables uh, can get back to winning double-figure games at Oklahoma. So, you know, you're right. We have to now all of a sudden be much, much more patient than maybe we thought we were going to be. And that's going to be, I think, a task for all parties involved, John. That's going to be a task for the head coach, Brent Vittables. That's going to be a task for the administration. It's going to be a task for you and me, for this fan base. Oklahoma fans have not gone through this. And I'm not saying change your expectations for what you want Oklahoma football to be. I'm just saying that based on what we're seeing right now, if long-term Brent Vittables is going to be the guy that you want him to be, to the long-term coach at Oklahoma, yeah, you're right. I mean, it might be in 2024 when we start seeing big-time results again for OU, and that's frustrating, but it just kind of looks like maybe that's the direction this thing is trending when he truly has his recruits on campus. Yeah, it is a bit frustrating because, again, you mentioned it. We're not used to that. We're not used to losing seasons. I mean, it hasn't happened in 30 years almost. We're not used to getting blown out like like we were against Texas and against TCU. It just doesn't happen to, to Oklahoma that often, and especially in Big 12 play, it doesn't. A conference that they've pretty much run for the majority of its existence. So it, it is disappointing and it is frustrating, but it's I think it's fair to begin to just say, okay, let's slow everything down. Let's be patient. Let's let this thing build because what you wrote about back in December, about the time that the hire was being made, I still feel like all of that is true. I still feel like everything you said from the familiarity with the program, understanding that there are high expectations in Norman and it comes with championships, the ability to recruit defensively, develop defensively. I think those are the keys right there. Those two things. And I still believe in Brent Venable's ability to do that. And with his coaching staff to be able to develop uh, this group defensively. It's just going to take a little bit more time than what we had anticipated. Uh, you know, Venables talks a little bit about what he, you know, what's going wrong with the defense. And it comes down to, you know, tackling just fits defensively. And, and I don't know if that's just one of those situations where it's like the, the team, the players just aren't really fully aware of, of everything that they have to do defensively yet. You'd think that six games into a season, 10 months into learning this scheme that they'd be in better, better prepared to, to run Brent Venable's defense, but maybe that's part of it. Maybe they're just not fully comfortable with it yet. And maybe he doesn't have the right pieces in place to fully execute what he wants to do. I mean, David Aguebu was a guy that they were maybe considering moving to edge at one point in time. Now he's a middle linebacker. Danny Stutzman is a big dude, but was recruited to play in a different defense. So this is a little bit different for these guys who knows what it's going to come come down to and as we saw against texas on saturday they may not have the horses in the middle right now to play against some of these really really good running teams because they just don't have the size yet they still have a lot of the size that alex grinch was looking for in that speed defense so 
yeah, it, it's going to be really fascinating to see how it, how it kind of continues to develop over the next few years. But uh, we appreciate everybody that's joining in live. If you got a comment you want to drop, feel free to do that. We, we're going to read some of these comments and respond ourselves as we go. Uh, first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Hey, if you've been listening to the show for the entirety of my time hosting it for the last couple of years, you know that I love Built Bar. Eat one just about every single day. And now they've got Built Puffs. If you like marshmallow, you love chocolate, Built Puff is the way to go for you. An excellent treat, but it's low in calorie and high in protein. And now they've got cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, 160 calories, 15 grams of protein. And you can go to Built.com. You can get a box of those. You can get a a combined box where you get to try a little bit of everything. They've got so many great flavors over at built.com. Use our promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off your next order over at locked on. Sorry, over at built.com using promo code locked on. Sorry. I started reading some of the comments there as I was doing that. Um, Interesting. You you were talking about Jalen Daniels and that's definitely a big storyline going into this weekend. But I think one thing that, that does stand out and it was pretty clear on Saturday against TCU is that Jason beans, not somebody to take lightly. And so Logan Wilson asked, do we think that the point spread is fair? You know, Oklahoma was six and a half point favorites over at bet online, our friends over at bet online. Now they're nine point favorites heading into this game, which is shocking to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have thought Kansas State was going to beat Iowa State by multiple scores. And somehow the odds makers had that thing dead on the money again. So the odds makers typically have a good pulse on this kind of stuff. Do I think that the number makes sense? Absolutely not. And actually, to that question, it's funny you bring that up because, you know, one of the show notes I shared with John, one of the things uh, I wanted to mention was, did you know the largest underachievement versus the spread in a three-game span for a once-ranked team. This is the last 30 years. So I'll repeat here. Largest underachievement versus the spread in a three-game span for a once-ranked team over the past 30 years. Oklahoma's fifth on that list. 1997 Texas, 2011 Texas Tech, 99 UCLA, 2005 Colorado, 2022 Oklahoma. 98 points the wrong direction based on how the spread either favored Oklahoma or had Oklahoma as an underdog the past three weeks. So with that in mind, no, I think Kansas should be favored by about 15 points based on the way the last three weeks have played out. So it's just, it's wild. Yeah. That's kind of where I was when I first saw the, the opening line, I I thought this is wild. This is wild here. Um, I, I do believe that it'll kind of correct and that spread will, um, narrow a little bit, but I, I do feel like, this is kind of a, a bit of a trap spread and we'll talk more about that later in the week when we do our predictions and, and, and talk about that. But Kansas is looking good. They're, they're a good football team. Jason Bean is a good player. You know, Nate pointer points out that, Oh, you already played Bean last year and he showed out. Absolutely. He did. I think he threw for over 260 yards, had a touchdown, had Kansas within striking distance of picking up the win in the second half of that one um, after being up 10, nothing. And so, uh, yeah, it's really it's really interesting to to see the line uh, so much in favor of Oklahoma that, yeah, I mean, the betters would say, okay, they're six-point favorites, but because they're at home, they're getting three more points. That's kind of how that works out. 
but yeah, that's, that's a lot of points um, to, to be putting on Oklahoma. So, um, you know, there, one, one of the thing I, I think, you know, Car- Carvan, okay. He mentions it. Oklahoma needs a bag man like A&M in Texas. Hey, we, if you know any bag men out there, you know, anybody with a, uh, you know, big pockets, uh, make sure you point them towards uh, Norman and our way as well. So they can sponsor the show. But um, yeah, I think that's a big point. Like Brent Venables is going to be able to recruit. Well, are we going to be able to get the David Hicks? We're going to get the David stone in 24. Presumably I thought we were going to get the well, David Hicks. We thought so. Right. I mean, we thought yeah. so on Hicks. So I'm uh, I, I think they're going to get stone too, but man, I'm at that point with, you know, highly regarded defensive tackles and defensive linemen now to where I'm, I'm not, I'm not falling in. It's the same thing with the Oklahoma's defense is good again, theory. I'm not buying it until there's ink on the paper and they're officially in Norman. I'm done. I'm not falling for the a defensive tackles coming here. It's not happening until they actually do until Brent Venables and Todd Bates deliver in that respect. I just, I can't fall for that ever again for Oklahoma. The, uh, the bean thing for this game, I mean, obviously it's a, you know, you think about the spread and why it is what it is. I mean, Bean's a nice quarterback. Threw for four touchdowns last week. Obviously had a 10-point lead versus Oklahoma last year at halftime. Uh, nearly rallied Kansas back in the second half in that game too, John. Uh, so this is somebody that looks like almost anybody can move the football against Oklahoma's defense right now. So I would imagine Bean will have uh, a good chance to do that. I just think to me when, you know, you look at the spread, John, isn't this the odds maker saying that, we think Dylan Gabriel back for Oklahoma is a massive, massive difference maker. And the fact that it's in Norman. Yeah, that does make a huge difference having Dylan Gabriel back. Cause you now have a passing threat back in your lineup. You know, if you don't have somebody that can push the ball down the field, the defense doesn't have anything to worry about. They, all they can do is they can sit on the running game, which is what happened. You know, once Texas figured out that Oklahoma was going to run the wildcat and run that 90% of the time, Texas was able to put everybody pretty much within five, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And there were no threats to worry about down the field, having Dylan Gabriel back. It opens things up for Marvin Mims. It opens things up for Braden Willis, open things up for Julio Farouk and Theo Weiss. Like everybody gets a little bit of a bump because you have a guy that can actually throw the ball a little bit. TCU was not good. He did not look good in the opening you know, moments of TCU before getting hurt but that's not the player that we've seen. That's not the player that has what 9,000 passing yards, 80 passing touchdowns in his career. He's a much better player than that. He'd tell you the same thing. We've seen better from him, whether it was Nebraska or in, you know, against Kansas state. I mean, they started slow, but the offense started putting things together and they, they were actually making some plays, getting some big plays down the field. So having Dylan Gabriel back is definitely a huge bump in this. I just don't know if it's a nine point bump. That's the thing. It's like, I, I don't know if having Dylan Gabriel back is what makes the big difference on that front, because you still have a defense that is allowing, I said 45 in yesterday's episode, it's actually 48 allowing 48 points per game over the last three weeks. So until your defense can get stops, which is the biggest issue, it's going to be really hard on the offense because it puts so much pressure on the offense to be perfect and to score every single time on the field that of course they start to press. Of course they start to force things that might not be there. Of course they, they, they play tight. 
that's just what happens. If you have one side of the football that's not playing well, the other side is going to try and pick it up by doing everything that they can and by playing perfect. And the offense just wasn't doing that against TCU. A week off might have been a great thing for Dylan Gabriel. Now, it, it won't matter in the Big 12 you know, conference title race. It won't matter in the college football playoff you know, uh, perspective. But as far as getting Dylan Gabriel right and getting this offense right, maybe that week to sit back and just watch and regroup, maybe that does something for him. Now, with Oklahoma losing 49 nothing and getting shut out, hopefully he doesn't come back out if he does play this Saturday and come out and press again. Hopefully he's able to come back, play loose, and just get back to having fun and playing football. I can tell you one thing. He ain't going to be worried about losing his job to anybody. So that's that's one thing coming out of the last couple of weeks. If there was ever any concern, man, I better go out there and play well or else Nick Evers or one of these guys is going to take my job. Well, first of all, they won't play Nick Evers. And second of all, the the other guy stinks. So uh, he's he's got nothing to worry about there in terms of the job security department. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe that's a positive for uh, Dylan Gabriel. I want to start rifling through uh, a bunch of folks' responses. Obviously, though, we are, as always, brought to you on Locked On Sooners by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire, it can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you got to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, it helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, Pretty easy to just go create your free job post on LinkedIn jobs. You just add your job, the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions, they make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and obviously ultimately hire. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So go on over, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So the, uh, the whole free BD thing, I mean, I'm like you, I, I, I mean, seems like they're calling for Brian Darby to get some more reps and some opportunities, which we've seen Brian Darby do positive things at Oklahoma in the past. I mean, you know, you go back and pull out the archives, the tape from some of this spring or this summer, John, and, I'm not saying that we sat here. I mean, generally speaking, our conversation kind of went like this, right? Well, you've got a proven star in Marvin Mims. You got Theo Weiss that if he comes back healthy, could be a star wide receiver for Oklahoma. And we loved what we saw from Jaleel Farouk in the Alamo Bowl. But beyond that, you know, Brian Darby was one of those names that we thought for Oklahoma. We've seen whether it's, uh, you know, jet sweep, just some different stuff that Oklahoma did, did outside of just the throw and catch game. Brian Darby's an athlete. We've seen him make plays at Oklahoma. Again, I don't have that on any sort of authority. That's not intel. That's just me reading the tweet like you saw and thinking the exact same thing that you thought that, yeah, maybe maybe it is about Brian Darby. But with these kids, man, I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be it could be about anything, right, John? Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Twitter is such a weird thing, and there was very odd, um, just odd tweets from random folks, uh, random players. Um the, the Brian Darby moment I, I think about the most and it kind of lives rent free in my head is the end of the Oklahoma state game last year when Jaden Hazelwood, you know, the Caleb Williams throws the fade, the Jaden Hazelwood, uh, it falls incomplete. He goes out of the game. Brian Darby comes into the game. They run two more fades to Brian Darby. Uh, they're on the left sideline 
to try and score and he's interfered with pretty badly on one and there's like no call and you're like what's a guy got to do to get a call around here um that that could have really you know want that could have won the game for oklahoma and it went uncalled so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thought uh, especially considering how much they want to run jet sweeps this is a guy that's proven he can be very very effective in it um it's it's hard for me to to imagine them getting more wide receivers snaps though you know because they are so deep like you've got two transfers that are playing very little in LV Bunkley Shelton and Javion Hester you've got you know Drake Stoops that's man in the slot Jalil Farouk you got a couple young freshmen that aren't really getting the field get to see the field much Trayvon West you know another guy that can play a little bit Gavin Freeman another guy that can play a little a little bit Brian I'm with you the jet sweeps are killing me too a little and some of it is just the personnel that they're yeah choosing to run those through stop using Drake Stoops on jet sweeps please I'm begging you hey we like the Gavin Freeman touchdown in the opening game when you were playing air but against everybody else probably you know, maybe don't do that with either Drake Stoops or Gavin Freeman. Yeah. Uh, Nate Pointer says, Dylan Gabriel is going to look like Steve Young this week compared to what we've seen in the last six quarters. <laughs> I, you're, you're right. I mean, at times he's looked like Steve Young, you know, even before he went, got injured, like that big run uh, against Nebraska. I mean, that was very uh, Steve Young-esque. Not the fastest guy in, in the field, but somebody definitely can make some plays with his legs. Uh, you know, uh, Carvan, Oklahoma says, Oklahoma will – be prepared this week. Just listen to what Venable said in his press conference about repetition. Oklahoma needs the power alignment on the defense. I hope they're prepared. Like I really, really hope that we see a much different Oklahoma Sooners team this Saturday against Kansas. I think it'll still create a lot of questions about where was this team? Like if they come out and they play great against Kansas, you'll wonder, well, where's this been? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. And look, Jaden Gibson, by the way, Jimmy Satterfield, who says, I like our 6'5 wide receiver, but he drops too many passes. And, and he did have, uh, you know, a, a big drop recently. Uh, the Kansas game this week, I, I hope you're right that Oklahoma is going to be prepared. You know, Oklahoma has, again, had Kansas's number dating back to what, the mid-90s? I mean, when was the last time Kansas hadn't beaten Oklahoma, basically, in my lifetime, since the since the 90s? So, you know, Oklahoma from that standpoint still has, I think, that mental edge and the game's being played in Norman. And oh, by the way, Kansas is now not playing with its star starting quarterback, though. Look, I get it. Bean has uh, made plays and is a serviceable, certainly much better than any backup right now on Oklahoma's campus. But, uh, you know, what we've said the last couple of weeks again applies here, John. And, and I'm ready to say, look, if OU plays poorly and, you know, defensively struggles big time against Jason Bean, who, again, let me be clear, I think is a serviceable quarterback, someone that can both make plays with his feet and with his arm. If Oklahoma, though, gives up 35-plus or 40, John, and it's another performance there, and they you know, offensively struggle in bits and pieces and ultimately lose this game at home with Dylan Gabriel back, then to me the season's going to be a total disaster, right? I mean, this is the final straw week. If you can't, with Dylan Gabriel back, get things – put together and into the win column on your home field versus a Kansas team that yes, absolutely is improved, but now is playing with its backup quarterback. Then let's just call it what it is. Probably this team's not going to go to a bowl game. 
Yeah. Uh, if you are not able to beat Kansas, who hasn't beat you since 1997, when they rattled off three in a row um, during the, the dark days of the 90s, then yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty rough. But that's kind of what I'm concerned about, is I'm concerned that this team who hasn't been able to stop anybody the last three weeks is going to continue to struggle to stop Kansas. If I'm predicting this game, and it's still really early, I haven't really gone through all my analysis of this, but I'm expecting a high-scoring game. Like This is going to be one of those that you take the over, but maybe you, you take Kansas and the points because I just don't know if Oklahoma is going to be able to run away from this Kansas Jayhawks team. I think it'll pro- probably be a tight game because basically Oklahoma's defense just hasn't shown me in the last three weeks that they can stop anybody on a consistent basis. I thought we were getting a bit of a turnaround against Texas. We got that first three and out. And then it just kind of all went downhill. And again, we understand this is not something that that it can happen overnight, that we can have this elite defense overnight. I just want to see some stops. Like, I just want to see this team be able to get off the field on third down more regularly. You know, make some, get some tackles for loss, get some sack, like get some pressure. I mean, they only pressured Quinn Ewers, according to Pro Football Focus, eight times in that game. I talked about it yesterday. They had one quarterback hit in the entire game against Quinn Ewers. Not good. That's just not good. In the OU Texas game. OU Texas game. You get one quarterback hit. It's so bad. And to your point, John, just to interject real quickly, and I'll toss it right back to you. You just want to see at least average from this defense, right? I mean, (laughs) you're not asking to set any sort of defensive records this season. I think, you know, back to the summer when we were asked the question, hey, what's a realistic goal? for this defense. Right. And I think I said then, you know, top 30 total defense, uh, you know, whatever it was scoring similar for scoring defense. Right. I'm not expecting this defense to get leapfrogs better overnight, but because of Brent Venables and his track record, I am expecting improvement. Right. Well now, Oh man, we got to see some improvement from how terrible they've been. You got to at least give me average. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I struggle with is, I didn't feel like this defense could get worse. You know what I mean? Like I didn't because for all the things that, you know, went, went, went on with Alex Grinch, like we didn't see this, you know what I mean? Like, and again, new scheme players that weren't recruited for this scheme, that could be part of it. There's not much depth because you lost a lot of that to the NFL last year, but how did it go from, what we saw the first three weeks to this, that's the, that's the part that still baffles me. And I think that's what baffles the coaching staff too, is what happened? Like what changed? Cause I doubt that they changed their game weeks, their game week preparation. I doubt they changed their practice schedule. I, you know, when things are going good, you don't change things up. Yeah. One, two, three man front. That's part of what has changed for Oklahoma. Well, here's the thing. Brent Venables addressed that in, in the um, press conference on Tuesday. He says, you know, against Nebraska, they ran primarily three-man fronts. Against Kansas State, they ran primarily four-man fronts. Uh, and so it's kind of been back and forth. You've had, like, you've had good games with three-man fronts. You had good games with four-man fronts. or you, And you've had good game or bad games with three-man, bad games with four-man. So it, it's hard to point. Like, I was of the mind that, hey, we need to run more four-man fronts. Well, Brent Venables kind of shot that out the window when he said, well, we, that's what we did against Kansas State, and we didn't create any pressure, uh, get sacks or, you know, anything like that. But they did get more tackles for loss. They were making things a lot more difficult on Deuce Vaughn in the running game. That being said, I still think that 
this team is going to have a lot of growing pains this year, especially on the defensive side of the football. You know, Mark asked the question, how bad is Nebraska? That's what gets me. I mean, they're a team that's in first place in the Big Ten West. Well, hold on. That's not it's a, real a bad Big Ten West, but they're winning some games. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, Nebraska, trying to wrap your head around what OU did in Lincoln – in Nebraska under Mickey Joseph has gotten a little bit incrementally better, right? These last couple of weeks. I don't know that it's any, um, you know, I, I think Oklahoma, you know, as bad as things are here right now, Oklahoma would have beaten both Indiana and Rutgers. Okay. And that's what Nebraska has done. Now, that being said, you know, you see Nebraska win a couple of games and obviously just this complete fall off the cliff for Oklahoma. It is, it is baffling. Yeah, it, it is baffling. And and the thing that's baffling, I, I think it was uh, Gabe Eichert that, that shared the chart about how bad Oklahoma's run defense is and Hawken uh, 2 or Hawken II. He mentions it, OU's rush defense is the worst in the Big 12 by a large margin. And I don't know what you do to correct that. I, I mentioned on Twitter, I, th- I really thought that, you know, number 77, Jeffrey Johnson was going to be a big factor in slowing down opponent rushing attacks. But it, it hasn't really transpired. It did the first three weeks. They were really good against Anthony Grant and Nebraska. But since Kansas State, since that game, the Oklahoma rush defense has just fallen to, to shambles. It's been absolutely terrible. Um, I, don't, I don't know really how else to put it. I thought it would get better last week because you're facing a quarterback that isn't as mobile as the guys you've seen in previous weeks, and yet – here he is picking up third and thirteens with his legs because John said he's not very mobile uh, and he had to prove him wrong. Uh, but you know, Bajan Robinson's going to do what Bajan Robinson does, but it's the other guys. Like, and then you know, a lot of that comes. A lot of the rushing yards for Texas comes in the second half when pretty much the game is done. Oklahoma's just trying to play out the string, just get out of that one without any more injuries. But still, man, it that's the part of this thing that just is is or one of the parts of this thing that is so hard to wrap your mind around is how bad they've been against the run. Um, and again, they've gone up against some pretty good running teams and Kendry Miller. I think I was a guy that thought he was pretty good last year in Zach Evans shadow, but he really proved that this year. And so this week against Kansas, it's going to be another tough test. Like they're going to have to try to slow the running game down uh, against some really good running backs and against a team that is going to look to establish the run, especially on the road playing in Norman um, and quote unquote, the underdog. So uh, you're going to see an aggressive Kansas team, but they're going to want to establish the run too. Well, and they've got a quarterback in Jason Bean now that not like Jalen Daniels, but he can run too. I mean, they're going to, they're going to use some option looks on Oklahoma with he and Devin Neal. And based on what I've seen, they're going to find some success doing it, which by the way, Brian, yes. Thank you. How about, how about those chiefs? Not sooner related, but thank you for that note. Yes. Any win over the Raiders, we celebrate, John. Yeah, you can celebrate wins over the Raiders. We, we hate the Raiders, um, even Dallas Cowboys fans. I mean, we, Dallas Cowboys fans might not think much about the Raiders, but definitely don't care for them, uh, especially after Devontae Adams decides to push over a cameraman just because he's mad or whatever. But, uh, you know, back to Oklahoma football, um, you know, uh, yeah, people are asking about Micah Bowens, like how come he can't get an op- opportunity to play? And that is kind of weird. You know, they you know they brought him in under Lincoln Riley, transfer portal. 
yeah, how is how is he not getting some opportunities? Like, if you're going to run some wildcat, maybe you're trying to run the football. Maybe he's the guy that you want to run the football with. All that they ever, all that the coaching staff points to is just preparation, and they didn't like the way those guys were preparing behind Davis Bevel. I get it, practice matters, but also practice is very controlled situations where everything is kind of working to get reps uh, for a particular situation. I don't know if that's the only thing you should hang your hat on at times because again, controlled situation at some point you got to look at, okay, who's the guy that gives our offense the best chance to move the ball. And it's not a guy that can't run the ball when you're trying to run the ball and only run the ball. This is what I said on the radio, John, in, in regards to that. I like Jeff Levy's theory. I totally understand it. It makes sense. If somebody came into the radio station and I don't, for whatever reason, we did mock radio broadcasts, right? And they stunk in every mock radio broadcast. I, I probably wouldn't say, you know what? That's the guy I want to do a radio show with, right? So, like, I understand that comparing football to my business and our business, you know, but generally speaking, man, if everybody stinks, <laughs> You might just at some point, if the option that you're running out there is doing nothing right, I don't care what the other guys have done in practice. At some point, you just try it to try it, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> that to me is like kind of where you're at offensively with some of the backup guys, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and I, I just go back to this idea that like if that's your plan is to go in and just run the football and – not utilize your quarterback, at least put somebody out there that can run the football. If you're going to have a quarterback on the field, Dorian Johnson, you know, talks about maybe the, the downfall is probably because we didn't play anybody that was worthy of competition until playing Kansas state. Kansas state wasn't Kansas state until we played Kansas state. Let's, let's be perfectly clear about that. Like who they were the first three games of the season is not the same team that they are these last three games either. They've been a much better team especially the way Adrian Martinez is playing than what we saw prior to playing Oklahoma. Like that's why I felt so comfortable and confident about Oklahoma's chances to win that game because Adrian Martinez wasn't somebody who was throwing the football down the field until they played the Oklahoma Sooners. And all of a sudden here we are now we're uh, the second coming of Tim Tebow and we can throw and run all over everybody. Um, but sorry, Dorian, that I still get a little bit hot about that because Kansas state didn't look like anything to shake a stick at either. Um, Nate pointer points out the transfer portal guys really haven't helped. Like we thought they were hopefully mm -hmm. BV gets in there and gets a couple of good ones this year. Josh, you want to take that one? Yeah, no, they, I mean, they haven't been as impactful as obviously we thought they were going to be, which Dorian, just to your comment there real quick. I mean, ultimately you're right. I mean, we, we were fooled. Everybody on the Oklahoma, everybody that's an Oklahoma fan or on the OUB was fooled by the way the first couple of weeks played out. And then they played good teams. And we found out right now, Oklahoma is very clearly far from a good team uh, like the three that they played. And yet it's, again, still sort of puzzling because you won your first three games by 30 plus points, which Oklahoma hadn't done that in their first three games in the last, I don't know, however many years, but they did it this year. And then uh, obviously nothing has gone right since uh, the transfers. Jeffrey Johnson, you hit on it earlier. Very disappointing for him. Jonah Laula, I think disappointing for him. Trey Morrison, you know, somebody that's played a lot of football has not morphed it. 
into any sort of serious contributor for Oklahoma. Key Lawrence, who wasn't a transfer this year, but was a transfer the year before. I mean, this is someone that we spent all this time talking about. I think this guy can be one of Oklahoma's next secondary stars. Now it's like he might see 40 snaps. He might not. You know, he's definitely not one of the best players for Oklahoma. Then again, I mean, who is one of the best players for Oklahoma right now? So uh, we could do that game up and down the roster outside of Dylan Gabriel, who I will sit here and tell you is is better than maybe the fan base feels like he is right now. But, yeah, I mean, McCade Mataglia for an offensive line that's, you know, again, been just okay for Oklahoma. Literally just about every transfer you could pick for Oklahoma, again, has not been super impactful. So I, I'm with you. I totally agree. Yeah, it's been a weird season for the transfer portal guys because – as you mentioned, Trey Morrison really didn't seem to play much the first four or five weeks of the season. And then ultimately, you know, then he plays 79 snaps against uh, Texas. Key Lawrence has been very up and down, not getting a chance to get on the field. And I mean, we saw Max Duggan just straight run away from him um, when they played TCU. So maybe he doesn't need to be on the field. But again, I saw a guy last year towards the end of the year that was one of their most impactful players on the field whether he was playing quarterback or whether he was playing safety, I thought this was going to be a guy that could help, help you really um, be a playmaker. And they, he just hadn't earned either earned the opportunity to get on the field or they just don't trust him on the field right now. Uh, you know, Greg Ched kind of discusses like he thinks BV and Levy are trying to avoid a quarterback controversy. You touched on it earlier. What controversy there's, I mean, if Davis Bevel was capable of throwing the football, then they would have let Davis Bevel throw the football. They're out there trying to win games. As much as they like Dylan Gabriel, Jeff Levy has a strong relationship with him. Man, they're in the business of winning football games, not protecting somebody's emotions and feelings. Like if Davis Bevel can throw the ball and Jeff Levy didn't let him, like that would be a coach, that would be coaching malpractice. But I think in the few attempts that we saw with Davis Bevel at times, like it's just not consistent enough for them to feel comfortable with him dropping back and throwing it. And somebody pointed out on our, our video yesterday that his pocket awareness and presence isn't strong enough either to ask him to drop back 50 times. Um, otherwise you risk him getting sacked like anywhere from eight to 10 times a game. And so I, I get why I don't like it. I don't like the fact that they weren't willing to throw the ball at all against Texas, especially when they were down 35 uh, and still running Wildcat and not getting anywhere. Um, but I understand it a little bit more, even though I still don't like it. Uh, I, I think it just, again, was coaching um, just not to make a mistake. They were coaching a little bit scared on that front. So, um, yeah. A couple more before we get out of here and call tonight. Appreciate all of you guys. Even though uh, the one guy I think is a, a Texas fan that commented that Oklahoma hadn't played anybody so far. Appreciate you joining hey, in too. You're welcome always, and especially after a week that you a weekend you just had. So and enjoy yourself. Please come back. It, it, until next time, right? Well, I don't know. We might give us like two years, and we'll meet you in the Cotton Bowl then again. But okay, go. a couple more before we get out of here from uh, Jaden Knight. I think it is going to be a moment with BV and Jeff Levy needing to build a team around their scheme. This year they had to try and piece together a team through the transfer portal. John, uh, where are you at with that? I mean, that's the hope, right? That obviously they've kind of been forced to, you know, piecemeal this thing together and clearly the, the transfer portal thing, at least especially defensively. I mean, obviously is not working. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really good thought from Jaden. I, I think, uh, you know, the losses of Jaden Hazelwood, Mario Williams, and Mike Woods, I, I didn't really, I guess, maybe appreciate those as much. Um, you know, I thought Jaden Hazelwood and Mike Woods were okay. Um, Mario Williams, I think, was a guy that could be a star wide receiver, but we just didn't see enough of him play last year to for that really to um, hit home for me. I, I thought I think he's still kind of Theo Weiss level, um, but I think your your receiving core is pretty good. Your offensive line is pretty solid. Your running back room is pretty good. Um, offensively, I think you're in good. You're in good shape. It's like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show that defensively they've still got room to grow and they they've got a lot of building that they have to do to get to be in a situation to be in a position to have Brent Venables defense on the field. And he even mentioned it over the summer like Clemson's defense wasn't Clemson's defense right away and we probably should have taken that as a cue that maybe this Oklahoma Sooners defense isn't going to be all that good right away. It's going to take some time to build that up into a a stronger more cohesive unit. No, that's a that's a great point. And now as you look back and think about some of those comments, was there writing on the wall? Were there tea leaves that Brent Venables was saying, all right, um, this is going to take a, a second here. I mean, obviously, you know, right now they're one of the worst defenses nationally, John. And, and certainly they're the worst defense in the Big 12 through three weeks. And really, you know, that's kind of all that matters, right, is what's happened in conference play. And Oklahoma, again, is one of the worst defenses nationally and certainly, again, the worst in the Big 12. So, I mean, man, look, I don't care what they've got on the roster uh, in terms of do they have college football playoff talent and this and that. What they're delivering right now is not good enough and equal to what they're what they're putting out on the field. I mean, look at Iowa State, man. I, I just I can't get over it. Right. I mean, look at what Hecox and company are doing up there at Iowa State. They can go do that to Kansas State. And Oklahoma can only do what it does with its personnel. I mean, look, I'm sorry. You got to deliver a heck of a lot better than what you've been delivering. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's hard to watch these results, especially, you know, as I talked about on yesterday's show with your, your backup quarterbacks thriving, you know, up in Kansas against TCU and, you know, the starting a redshirt freshman on the road against the number seven team in the country for Texas tech and it all looking okay. Uh, so it, it it hits me in the heart when I see that. I'm like, well, where's Oklahoma's quarterback situation that can not miss a beat quite like that? Um, yeah, it, it's hard to see what Iowa State's putting together defensively and and then not wonder why Oklahoma isn't able to put out a better performance than what they've put out. Uh, because, man, that Iowa State defense is stout. Like every team that they play, they play really, really strong. Like, that Texas line, I think it's something like minus 17 uh, in some places, minus 13 in some other places. I don't know if Texas covers that. That's a huge point spread against an Iowa State team that's playing great defense. It's going to be their biggest test of the season. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma, for Oklahoma, like where's that at? Like even just half of what Iowa State's putting together would be better than what we're seeing right now. Um, you know, Greg asks this question, do we – think Everson, they're not playing Evers and Booty because they're planning on transferring. I think it's too soon to tell. Like, I, I don't know if Evers is going to transfer. I don't know if Booty's going to transfer. We, it, It's, you know, yes, Jackson Arnold's coming in. Dylan Gabriel's probably coming back. It could create some transfer portal situations, but I don't, I don't know that that's going to be the case. I think, you know, Evers 
kind of likes the situation he's in with, with Jeff Levy. Now, some of that'll depend on, you know, who's the starting quarterback in 23 and in 24 to determine, you know, what's going to happen there. But Venables kind of talked about that in his presser today in that, you know, he, he would prefer a situation where he's got a group of quarterbacks that just kind of stick together. Um, now he's not going to always get that choice, but you know, kind of like what Georgia has where, you know, they, they've got a guy and then they bring in another guy to compete with that guy. But then your guy Stetson Bennett holds onto the job and is able to continue playing really good football for them. So uh, that's an interesting one there. Um, let's see anything else. Oh yeah. Starved rock. He asks, how did Davis bevel go from looking like a fairly competent quarterback at, you know, at, at Pitt against Michigan state in a bowl game to what we saw on Saturday. And yeah, that's, that's our question as well. Cause again, he looked solid. He wasn't great, but he was a solid player that Michigan that a uh, pit trusted to throw the football, but not so much here. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, what granite guy said a little bit later, Levy looked foolish bottom line. I mean, it is, it's a bad referendum on Jeff Levy. I mean, it is right. I mean, how can Davis bevel do that there? And again, look halfway competent. And then you have a full week, a full week to get ready for a start at the cotton bowl. And basically you look like you're scared to, to run any sort of legitimate plays that a quarterback would typically run. There was one other in here that uh, I wanted to hit as well. They need to scale back on the defensive play. They're thinking too much and not reacting. That's from Jimmy Satterfield. Yeah. I mean, look, I think uh, obviously whatever it is that you're calling defensively, Whatever the approach has been these last three weeks, I would imagine, John, if these coaches are worth their weight in gold, that they've figured out pretty, you know, they'll take a genius to figure out, huh, we suck these last three weeks. So whatever they've been doing, got to do uh, the opposite of that. And if it's, yeah. if it is that, I mean, if it is, John, the adding more to the playbook, well, it's time to dumb it back down. Yeah. And somebody asked the question earlier, Logan, we didn't really get a chance to, to hit that one, but he asked if we thought Woody Washington, Key Lawrence and Jaden Davis are bad enough that we don't feel comfortable enough to run man defense. To me, this team is built for man defense and blitzing. And it kind of was, you know, they played a lot more man. I feel like under Alex Grinch, um, I thought they were going to play more man under Brent Venables because he wanted to play an aggressive suffocating style of defense, which to me, that's not zone. That's man press man. Um, and so much of what Brent Venables wants to do is predicated on pass rush. And if the rush is getting there, you can run zone all day because the quarterback's not going to have enough time to sit back there and let his guys find the soft spots in the zone. But when you're running man, like the, the quarterback, if the pass rush is getting there, the quarterback's going to have less time to get the ball wherever, but man gives them, I feel, I feel like if guys are covering well, it will, kind of take some of that um uh, man i forget what i'm trying to say here it, it lessens the opportunity for kind of busting coverage i feel like when you're playing man as long as like the safety help is where it's supposed to be like if you're playing man to man like okay he's just right there unless he just gets flat out beat um i would like to see them go back to more of that because when they're playing zone it's just not they're, they're just, I don't feel like they're tight enough in their zone coverage. There's a lot of guys that just get behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties that have free run. Um, and so I, I'd like to see them run a little bit more man. Now, when, they're, when they've when they been in man phase at times, whether it's in cover three, 
and they're kind of playing man to man in their zone. They haven't looked great on some of those deep balls. They're not playing with good technique as Brent Medibles has talked about at different times. Um, and so there, I don't know if there's like one quick fix for this, but I would like to see them mix up their calls a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just hard to, to know where exactly to pinpoint this thing, but yeah, scaling back defensively, trying to take a little bit less off their plate, simplify some things a little bit and just let them go play and let them be free to just play instinctual football. Two final ones for me. And then let's, uh, let's call it a night. The, let me see, where is this at? Uh, from Jaden Knight, we've got to be patient. This is the first year since 1998. We're actually looking at a true rebuild. And then, uh, and then from Boomer Bo, we just can't be this bad. We just can't be this bad. Need a quarterback who can complete a pass. Need coaches that can motivate and players that won't quit after a loss. Boomer. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that is the yin and yang of where you're at. Right. And I don't, I don't disagree with either of you. I think Jaden's correct in that, you know, now you recalibrate yourself to where John, this team's not winning a national championship next season. Right. And they might not win a national championship or be a serious factor in that for a couple of more seasons. So that whole thing on how much better can you get and how quickly, I mean, it's time to rethink maybe what some of your expectations were for that or what my expectations or your expectations were for that, John. And now the, really the charge is you can't be this bad though. Right. I mean, we do need to see this thing get better and see it get a heck of a lot better very quickly, but obviously, I mean, the, chinks in the armor the you know where this program is at it's obvious john that it was not as far along as we thought it was and it's got a long long ways to go and part of that is coaching too by the way i mean these coaches they gotta they gotta coach a heck of a lot better yeah that is something that that has to be better and uh, this is the, the same the same thing I talked about on yesterday's show. If you haven't watched yesterday's show, go back and watch it. Our Monday Tuesday episodes. We'd you know love to get your thoughts on those as well. But just be more competitive. You could lose out the rest of the season, but if you're more competitive and you're getting leads in these games, if you're you know staying close and and having a chance at the end, I'll feel so much better about what this team is heading into 2023 than what I am now. If you get blown out every game the rest of the year, I don't know what you can hang your hat on. I really don't. But I feel like if you can at least, you know, play tough, show a little bit of improvement defensively, be more consistent, getting defensive stops, have your quarterback be more, more consistent in the passing game, then I'll like Oklahoma's chances to be bowl eligible by the end of this thing and to at least provide a little bit of optimism that, hey, we're heading in the right direction at the very least. So that's that's kind of where I where I'm where I'm at. Hey, Steve, thank you for for being here, Texas fans. We appreciate you. Uh, hey, it's always gonna help with the algorithm. So stop on by anytime that you uh get the inkling. You had a great Saturday. I'm glad you're enjoying it um we'll we'll see what happens here in the next couple years you know but that's that's what that's what that is so hey that's gonna do it for tonight's episode of the live locked on sooners show thank you so much for everybody that stopped in and stopped by uh left some comments we're gonna do this every tuesday night around 10 o'clock p.m central time so make sure you set your calendars and set your uh your notifications for that as well um we're gonna be (laughs) Steve, Steve get out of here. Knock it Colton Vasek is not coming to Austin. 
if he wasn't going to come because Texas was five and seven and I mean, it, he's not coming. Just stop. Just leave it alone. Okay. We get you. All right. Thanks for being there. Steve's too happy, man. We, we can't live in a universe where Steve is this happy. It's making right. me unhappy. That's right. All right. I'm, I'm no longer happy about this at all. Don't, <laughs> don't come back Texas pants. Um, but no, we're, we're going to continue to get ready for Kansas. We're going to break down Kansas a little bit more this week. We'll have our picks on the Thursday night, Friday episode uh, for big 12 play and around the, the country. So, Hey, thanks so much again for stopping by. We appreciate all of you. It's always a lot of fun to do this show and get your feedback, get your interactions. So we'll continue to do this every, every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Central Time. Steve, make sure you uh, you tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. We'll make sure that you're there. Again, that's going to do it for Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll be there. We'll be back again for another episode. Steve's got me like out of phase. Like I am shook as much as Quinn Ewers had Oklahoma. Red River Route. It's a Red River Route part two. Oh, no. That's right. We're done. It's over. We're going home. Have a good night, everybody. Boomer Sooner.